Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, July 12th. In today's news, President Trump surrenders on the census. Turkey takes delivery of Russian air defense systems, testing American resolve. And tech giants get squeezed on both sides of the Atlantic. But first, the big idea. A new book that's coming out next week details how top Republicans who once criticized President Trump publicly and privately changed their tune after his election and struck a Faustian bargain to gain power. Tim Alberto was a longtime writer for the conservative magazine National Review. He's now at Politico. He interviewed hundreds of big names for a book called American Carnage that will come out next Tuesday. We got an early copy of it, and there are some juicy details. Few people have more power in this White House, for example, than Madeline Westerhout. She is the president's top executive assistant. She controls access to the Oval Office more than the chief of staff does. She delivers the president's marker-scribbled messages, sends orders to top military officials, prints emails and articles to show Trump, and seeks to keep a tight grip on his schedule. But she was not always such a staunch supporter of the president. On election night, Westerhout, then a Republican National Committee aide, broke down sobbing, and people who were there say she was, quote, inconsolable over Trump winning the election. She now tells other people that she would do almost anything for Trump, and he calls her, quote, my beautiful beauty. Alberta reports that the vice president's wife, Karen Pence, didn't want to appear in public with her husband after the Access Hollywood tape, and that Pence disagreed with Trump on big issues like immigration and trade. Now, though, Pence's own closest friends joke about whether Trump has blackmail material on him. Pence's own friends also call him bobblehead because of how often he nods when Trump talks. Other senior Republicans call him a bootlicker. Ted Cruz told confidants that there was, quote, no way in hell that he would ever subjugate himself to Trump in front of tens of millions of viewers. He refused to endorse him at the Republican convention in Cleveland in 2016, after Trump called his wife, Heidi Cruz, ugly and said his dad, Rafael Cruz, was involved in the Kennedy assassination. According to Alberta, Cruz told friends back in 2016, in the summer of 2016, quote, history isn't kind to the man who holds Mussolini's jacket. But then Cruz went hat in hand to Trump just two years after that, after he likened Trump to the Italian fascist leader pleading for his help last fall to get reelected to a second term in Texas. He needed Trump to beat Beto O'Rourke and has sacrificed what he used to describe as his core principles to curry and maintain the president's favor. In the book, Alberta traces the ascent of Trump to the final stretch of George W. Bush's presidency. He recounts a fascinating scene where Bush, while meeting with advisors late in the second term, said he was worried about protectionism, isolationism, and nativism. Bush said, quote, these isms are going to eat us alive. Bush even asked conservative radio hosts in a late 2008 meeting to, quote, go easy on the new guy, referring to his successor, Barack Obama, because he told the radio hosts that he was worried the isms would lead to something much worse coming to the White House than Obama. Bush, of course, refused to vote for Trump and has been more critical of him than most Republicans because he's no longer in the arena and doesn't need to cater to Trump supporters anymore. At his core, Alberta depicts Trump as a transactional, cynical, and cunning person 
who understands what his supporters want because he consumes large amounts of media and watches how Republicans failed in the past. He reports that Trump pressured the head of the Iowa GOP in 2016 to invalidate the results after he lost the caucuses. Then in November 2016, right after the election, Henry McMaster, who was at that time South Carolina's lieutenant governor, told Trump that he wanted to be governor of the state. After all, he had been the first statewide official to endorse Trump for president. Trump said that should be pretty easy. After all, he was already number two. McMaster explained that it wasn't so easy and that he would only become governor if Nikki Haley weren't around anymore. Within days, seemingly out of left field, especially because she had criticized him through 2016 and endorsed Marco Rubio, Trump announced Haley as his pick to be ambassador to the United Nations. It's funny how politics works. Alberta also reports that during the transition after the election, Trump explained to a group that included Paul Manafort, who had been his campaign chairman and is this morning in federal prison, that he couldn't pick Chris Christie to be attorney general. Why? Manafort asked. Trump reportedly replied, quote, because that guy would prosecute my own kids and not think twice about it. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Trump has backed down from his push to add a citizenship question to the 2020 census, effectively conceding defeat in a battle he had revived just last week and promised to continue despite a recent string of legal defeats, including at the Supreme Court. The president announced that he instead plans to order every federal agency to give records to the Commerce Department that detail the number of citizens and non-citizens in the United States. But the political tensions over Trump's push to collect citizenship data and concerns he may have already scared immigrant communities from fully participating in the census are likely to persist, even if they're reduced for now. House Majority Leader Steny Hoyer, the Democrat from Maryland, said that the House will still go ahead and vote next Tuesday to hold Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross and Attorney General Bill Barr in contempt of Congress for not complying with subpoenas related to the administration's decision to try to include the citizenship question. The administration has claimed executive privilege to withhold the documents. Number two, Turkey today began taking delivery of Russia's S-400 air defense system completing a deal that has unnerved Turkey's NATO allies and could trigger sanctions from the United States. The first components for the system arrived in an airbase in Ankara, the Turkish capital, a few hours ago. U.S. officials have fretted that Turkey's possession of the S-400 will give Russia access to secrets of our F-35's stealth technology. Last month, the Pentagon said it would halt the training of Turkish pilots to fly the warplane. There was no immediate reaction from the Trump administration to this snub. The problem here is that Trump and his people have given mixed signals about how the United States will respond if Turkey went through with the deal. Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has warned of dire repercussions for the relationship, including the cancellation of all sales of U.S.-made F-35 fighter jets to the Turks, as well as the imposition of significant sanctions under a 2017 law related to cooperation with the Russians. But Trump has been publicly supportive of Turkish President Recep Erdogan, a strongman who is systematically rolling back democracy in that country. And then last month, Trump undercut Pompeo and the Pentagon by expressing sympathy for Erdogan's decision to purchase the S-400s from Vladimir Putin. Erdogan, after sitting with Trump at the G20 summit in June, went back home and told his government that he doesn't believe the U.S. will follow through with its sanctions threats on Turkey based on his read of Trump. Number three, despite pressure from the United States, the French parliament last night adopted a new tax aimed at tech giants such as Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple. The French government has argued that taxes on big tech firms should be based on where they do business, not just where they're headquartered. 
as has been the case up till now. So the measure would levy a 3% tax on certain revenue that companies earn in France. The Trump administration warned that it will investigate whether the tax unfairly discriminates against American business. French officials are standing firm, brushing off that criticism. The tax will apply to tech companies with revenues of more than $850 million. It will affect about 30 companies, almost all of them from America. But at the White House, for his part, Trump was assailing the same companies. He attacked Facebook, Google, and Twitter during what was billed as a White House social media summit yesterday afternoon. He accused those firms of exhibiting terrible bias and trying to silence his supporters. Trump sharply criticized Facebook's plans in particular to enter the cryptocurrency market, saying the U.S. has one real currency, the dollar, and suggesting that Facebook may need to submit to heightened banking regulations. And the price of Bitcoin fell by more than 10 percent after Federal Reserve Chairman Jay Powell told Congress that Facebook's planned cryptocurrency raises, quote, many serious concerns and the government may need to intervene. As regulators try to keep up, technology advances keep coming faster and faster. Technology is always faster than the regulators. There was a big break this week in artificial intelligence technology. For the first time, a supercomputer was able to defeat the best poker players in the world at Texas Hold'em. Computers have been beating people for a while now at chess, but poker had proved harder because it's more complicated. But the machines are learning. And another first from York, Pennsylvania. A robot umpire officially called balls and strikes for the first time in baseball history at a minor league all-star game on Wednesday night. Major League Baseball has signed a three-year agreement with the independent eight-team Atlantic League to install experimental rules in line with Commissioner Rob Manfred's vision for a faster, more action-packed game. Among the first changes being discussed is an automated balls and strikes regime run via computers and not humans. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, July 12th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday.